Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into a very special episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. Got, we've had a lot of chefs, restaurateurs, entrepreneurs, you know, on this podcast, but we haven't really just had other food fans, which is something that I'm so excited about because I think we have, like, th- there aren't a lot of people, I would say, in Omaha that can match my enthusiasm, maybe obsession with food. But I think we have one of them here. This is Ryan Cooper. He is a barbecue enthusiast. He's the creator of Barbecue Tourist and the co-founder of the Smoke Sheet newsletter. He has nearly 12,000 followers on Instagram and posts all kinds of just drool-worthy pictures. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, Dan. Thanks for having me. It is very exciting to have you on today, and I guess I just want to lead in with a super high-level question. You have just dedicated so much of your personal time to pursuing barbecue and traveling the country to try different types of barbecue, to going to different competitions. I mean, the the smoke sheet really is just so comprehensive in its coverage, so just super high-level. Why do you love barbecue so much? So... You know, the easiest answer would be to say the food is really great, but I think if that were the case, I would have gotten kind of tired of it really quickly. The real answer is uh, the reason I love barbecue is the people. Pretty much everybody I've met throughout all my travels over the years, have they've just been really wonderful, genuine people, and that's really what keeps me coming back again and again. What is it about those people? Like, is there like a a through line that kind of connects everyone? Do you see similar traits in those people that kind of draws you to them? I do. I think, you know, a lot of the traits that you see that barbecue really requires are really interesting traits. These are people that are genuine. They're hardworking. They're very patient. Um, These are things that barbecue really requires. You can't just speed through barbecue um, they're also very innovative and um, often very open to meeting others and learning learning from others as well and sharing their story. They're very proud of what they do. So that's what I love about barbecue. When you look back at your travels, are there any people in particular or stories in particular that stick out that really are just like that kind of define this ethos that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, gosh, I could sit here all day and rattle off the names of amazing people that I've met through the years. Um, it, in fact, I think, you know, I could count the the number of jerks that I've met in barbecue <laughs> yeah. on one hand. So um, pretty much everybody I've met ha- have been amazing. The people in down in Texas in particular have really embraced me. Um, I got to give a shout out to a pit master in Kansas City, Brandon Simpson from Jazzy Bees. He's mm-hmm. been another person that's just been really amazing. Uh, Tyler Harp, also down in Kansas City, is just like me. He's a food fan that's traveled all over the country and tried to learn from others and then apply that to his own cooking. So, But nearly everybody I've met have, have just been amazing. Okay, now let's name your top five jerks. In <laughs> I'm just <laughs> okay, kidding. We're, yeah, we're we'll not going to go there. We're not going to go there. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that list anonymous. But I guess, I mean, a lot of people like barbecue and they enjoy eating barbecue. Very few people are passionate enough to do what you do, where you are actually, you know, traveling and you created this newsletter, which we're going to get into right here. But I just want to get into like, how did this, how did you know that you wanted to be more than someone who just 
liked barbecue and tried a lot of different barbecue, but really like become ingrained in it? Well, so my story is I grew up in Kansas City where barbecue is just a common part of the culture. It was It's nothing really kind of like special in a way. Like it's just an everyday part of of life in Kansas City. So I didn't really um, know back then that I wanted to travel and find out all about other, you know, parts of aspects of barbecue. What happened was um, my background is I'm a, a cultural geographer, which is kind of a unique and different uh, career path. And I ended up doing a project where I basically uh, did what's called a story map that shows interactive maps along with the story of Kansas City barbecue. So I had all the different barbecue restaurants. I talked about the history of Kansas City barbecue and um, what makes it unique, what its characteristics are. When I finished that, that was so much fun. And I got such an overwhelmingly positive feedback on that project that I decided, well, I, I need to do that for Texas and for other places. And when I traveled down to Texas, that's when that the barbecue bug really bit me. I, I realized when I got down there, whoa, this the culture of barbecue here is very different from Kansas City. And so I really need to travel to all the places throughout the country and really understand um, this kind of culture. So that's how I got started. How was the culture different in Texas compared to Kansas City? Uh, it just did in every single way. The first, uh, the first stop that I made was in Taylor, Texas, a place called Louis Miller barbecue. Mm -hmm. And it is literally like you're, you're like, you're walking back in time. You walk through this creaky old gate. Everything's dark. The walls are stained black from all, all of the, uh, the smoke. And, uh, it just, everything about it was different. I mean, the way that you order, you have to go there and order by the pound. And for me, uh, that was a really foreign concept as compared to in Kansas City where you might, uh, you know, order a plate of barbecue and sometimes it's brought right to you. This was just totally different. And it was really interesting to stand in line and talk to all the other uh, barbecue fanatics there too. And that kind of leads us into the next point because we've, we've talked off the mics about how the smoke sheet newsletter came to be. And I just love that story so much. Can you kind of tell me about the interaction that you had with Sean Ludwig that led to this newsletter getting started? Yeah, that. Uh, so on that very same trip, just a few days later, actually, um, I had read or heard that Snow's Barbecue in Lexington, Texas, was the number one barbecue spot in the world. And so I thought, well, I'll just go stop by there and get some barbecue and then go stop at some other places. Little did I know it, it was going to be a three-hour wait that would literally change my my life in some ways. So um, I ended up going there and seeing, you know, license plates from all over the country, a long line at 8 in the morning to get barbecue. Um, I hopped in line where they were serving beer at 8, eight in the morning. So, again, the culture was so different. And right in front of me is this guy who's talking about barbecue every bit as passionately as, as I would. And so we got to chatting, and it turned out he was also from Kansas City. He was also a barbecue nut, and we both went to Mizzou. And uh, so we struck up a conversation and, and ended up forming a friendship. And so we, we had uh, lunch together that day and kind of stayed in touch. And then probably six months later, Sean... Uh, 
approached me. He had the, he had had the idea to have a barbecue newsletter and thought that I would be perfect to to join him on that venture. So, all right, now I'm just going to open the floor right here. Uh, just lay out the red carpet. Tell us about the Smoke Sheet newsletter and why people need to get subscribing to this thing because it is awesome. Well, thank you. The Smoke Sheet, you know, we really wanted. Um, we really wanted a newsletter or a place to go ourselves that where we could find all sorts of information about barbecue. We could learn about the latest events. We could uh, read about the latest news stories and get a little bit of original content because what we were finding was, you know, there weren't a lot of uh, places to go to, to learn more about barbecue. You, Daniel Vaughn had a, a barbecue newsletter that's focused pretty much exclusively on Texas mm-hmm. And yet there's great barbecue all over the country. So we wanted, we wanted something like that where we could go and, and, and learn more about barbecue. We also were finding that there would be these amazing events that would take place and we would learn about them either after they already happened or maybe the day before after the tickets are all sold out. So we really wanted a, a one-stop shop where you could go and, and, digest all there was to know about barbecue for the week. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we try to do with the smoke sheet. And what I love about the smoke sheet is it has so many different types of content. There's usually kind of like a a lead article, you know, a a feature story, but then you guys, you link off to other stories from around the country. You link to podcast episodes, to YouTube videos. So there's all different types of, of content. There's so many different, ways that people can experience barbecue because some people yeah they want to read about it and they want to learn techniques and they want to see you know a how-to video on how to smoke something some people just want to read about you know they want to read a great story about the the pit master themselves and you guys just bring all this together in one place and deliver it uh once a week i think it's it's just tremendous what's the response been uh since you started it up the response has been overwhelmingly positive. It's really, uh, it's really unique to see how people consume the smoke sheet. You know, some people want to read everything from top to bottom. Uh, some people are really passionate about the recipe of the week. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, early on, when we were really new to the uh, to the newsletter, we ended up accidentally including the wrong link. Um, for the recipe of the week, and we heard about it because <laughs> we it happened to be some really you know crazy manly uh, recipe where it was like shoulder beef shoulder claw that takes twenty hours to smoke, and for whatever reason the recipe we linked to was like a tofu vegan <laughs> thing, and man we heard like hey this is taking me to do a, be- a vegan thing have you have you been hacked or something you know so. Anyway, it was good to know that people, um, you know, were you know really, that people are yeah, reading they it. were really reading it and everything. So we try our best not to make mistakes like that. But every once in a while, something something happens. Mm-hmm. Can't help it. Now, something that I'm really excited about bringing you on today for is you recently had the opportunity to go and shadow a barbecue competition. And when this episode releases people, this is another reason to sign up for the smoke sheet, you will be able to read all about that in the most recent edition of the smoke sheet. Um, And that is, you got a chance to travel with Blaine Hunter from Porky Butts Barbecue. He is a renowned pit master. This guy knows what he's doing, but he 
kind of got out of the competition barbecue game for about, I think it was 13 months there to open Porky Butts in Omaha to spend some more time with his family. But at the end of June, um, he competed in the Back to Mayberry barbecue competition with some really legit pit masters. He was the day two overall grand champion, did super well. I guess just from an overall experience, what was that experience like for you getting to shadow him at that event? Well, it was really, it was really interesting in a lot of ways. I was, uh, you know, Blaine invited me. He said, you need to come up and, and see this competition. There's some of the biggest teams in the country will be there. I think the top six out of the six out of the top 10 were there. Several world champions, American Royal winners. He's like, you got to go check it out. And he said he was going to, um, you know, get back into barbecue competition after a, a long layoff. And to me, that was just fascinating because so many, because of the pandemic, so many competitions are are really just not taking place. They're canceling. So here was an opportunity close to Omaha where I could go and see some of the top teams um, compete. And then it just was icing on the cake that Blaine did so well. On the first day, um, he won first place in chicken. I think he won sixth in, in pork and third place overall. And honestly, I, I thought, wow, that's great. I, you know, I almost didn't go back the next day because I thought he did so well. And I thought, well, he might win grand champion. So I should probably go to day two. And sure enough, he won grand champion. <clears throat> and it was really unique to see, you know, the first day he was, he was nervous. I could see it on mm-hmm. his face. He did not know if he could hang with the competition. He, he, had a few missteps, things that he normally would do that he forgot or, you know, and he probably left some things at home or whatever. But the next day I could tell, I said, how'd your cook go last night? And he said, very well. And um, you could just tell he had his fire back and his, and his confidence. And it really showed. It was still surprising when he won grand champion because he hadn't really won, you know, first place in any of the four categories, but uh, he did well enough in each one that he he earned the points to to win grand champion. It was really fascinating to see. It's like Michael Jordan coming back from his baseball retirement, and he doesn't quite have his basketball legs at first, but then once he rediscovers it, it's like, oh, here comes another three straight championships. Yeah. I'm still Michael Jordan. I'm still here. <laughs> so just from your discussions with him and just from your general knowledge, what is – like? For people who don't understand, why did it take him time to kind of get back into the competition barbecue game? Like, what are the differences between restaurant, uh, you know, producing barbecue in a restaurant versus doing it in that smaller setting? The biggest difference I would say is with the competition barbecue, you're really you're really trying to put all of your effort and all of the flavor and technique into one bite for the judges. Mm, mm-hmm. Judges don't sit there and eat an entire, you know, plate of barbecue like you do at a restaurant. They literally take, you know, one, maybe two bites of whatever um, entry dish that they are presented with because they have to judge so much. They can't really afford to take much more than that. Um, and so, the techniques are totally different. The flavors are totally different because you're injecting flavor. You're putting lots of, you know, rub and spice and, and things into the barbecue that you wouldn't do normally at a restaurant because it's cost prohibitive and it's, you know, 
nobody can sit there and eat that much, you know, flavor packed barbecue. So it's really a totally different process. What was your number one takeaway from that experience? Something you learned, something that you appreciate about barbecue more than you did before it? Like just coming out of that, what was like your number one thing? I learned so much. It's hard to say just one thing. There was one little technique that he did that I was just, I couldn't believe. I saw him, um, you know, he was putting together his rib box. We tried his ribs. I thought they were fantastic, but he said they needed a little something and I saw him add a little cayenne pepper to the just to the underside of the ribs. Oh, really? And I said, why are you only putting that on the underside? He said, well, your tongue will hit the bottom of that rib, and it's going to kind of wake it up the flavors and everything. So that was really interesting from a technique standpoint, but just the amount of work that it takes to put into everything. And it was literally, it was a, a family affair for, for Blaine and his family. His wife was there, and she, um, I described her in my article for the smoke sheet as like a surgeon's assistant because she was literally standing there ready to hand him whatever tool he needed to wipe the sweat off his brow, to make sure everything in the box looked absolutely perfect. You know, they're literally taking tweezers and, and, and doing things just just to make sure everything's just right, and and sure enough, it paid off. Uh, the other really interesting thing is their daughter Helena. Apparently, she has an incredible palate, and so I think she's ten years old. But she would sit there and taste things and tell him if something was right, really how it was. Yeah, and she. So it, it's really the whole family that that's participating in this. And in fact, it was his teenage son Gavin that got him interested in the competition it was his birthday recently Blaine said what do you want to do for your birthday and he said I I think we should go to a barbecue competition so it's really a family affair for them that that was really cool to see yeah that's wow that's amazing it really runs in the blood yeah um something that I think like we I feel like share a lot of similarities in how much we appreciate food we both love barbecue we both try a lot of different restaurants there is one major differentiator between you and I, I would say, and that is you can actually cook. You actually can go out on the grill or the smoker and create amazing things. I, I've seen your Instagram. It's unbelievable. Whereas I have no skills and need to pay other people to make food for me because I will burn toast and can't figure that out. So I, I just want, I'm curious from your point of view, how does the experience of barbecuing and smoking food yourself, how does that kind of affect your appreciation for the craft when you go and eat in a restaurant? Well, I think, you know, it helps me learn what pitmasters really have to do in order to create their food and gives gives us a little bit of a common language. You know, there's a big difference, though, between smoking one brisket in your backyard on a, on a given weekend and smoking, you know, 60 briskets every day of your life for to serve to people who pay for it. But, you know, it gives me a little bit more of a, a understanding of what it takes to create this food and how much work goes into it. Recently, I uh, obtained a, a, a large monster smoker, you know, an offset smoker, and you just literally have to continually feed the fire, watch the temperatures, make sure everything is perfect, 
And it's a ton of work. And I mean, it's given me, I already respected the pitmasters quite a lot, but it's given me just that much more respect to understand what they really have to do in order to create this amazing food. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I want to talk about the Omaha barbecue scene overall, because I feel like this is something that has really evolved in the last couple of years. And I'm not trying to throw shade at any barbecue restaurants that existed in Omaha, you know, before 2016, 2017, whatever it is. But I feel like it's really been the past three or four years that we've kind of seen Omaha's barbecue scene really start to evolve. Is that, are you kind of with me that you've seen that as well? Absolutely. I I remember when I first moved here, not really finding barbecue restaurants um, that, that I was passionate about going to as much, you know, there were, there were a few, but in the last couple of years, you know, we've seen this resurgence or, or development of a barbecue scene here in Omaha. And it's been really great. There's multiple restaurants now that you can go to and get high quality barbecue. It's really wonderful. Mm -hmm. What is it about? I know that you're a huge fan of Porky Butts. What is it about Porky Butts? You know, we talked about blame, but what about that restaurant is, is special and makes it stand out to you? Just, I mean, everything about it. The service is top notch. The atmosphere is great. It's really perfect for my family because uh, my family, you know, doesn't necessarily love barbecue as much as I do. <laughs> Not that I don't know if anyone people, loves yeah. barbecue as much as you do. But, you know, my six-year-old son can get uh, his French fries and chicken fingers and Everybody can find something there that they really enjoy. Uh, my wife likes to get the turkey and mac and cheese, and so it's it's really everything. But the but the food is really top notch. It is it's incredible food. The burnt ends are to die for. Yes, the burnt ends are are crazy good. Yep. Um, so speaking of porky butts, I want to hit you with a quote from. Blaine Hunter, who, like we've mentioned, is the owner of Pitmaster. He was on this podcast a couple months ago, and he said this, and it really stood out to me. I just want to get your thoughts on it. He said, everyone says Texas is the king, and Kansas is the king, and North Carolina is the king. I truly think we're going to start a barbecue revolution here with all the great restaurants. I've always said that I'm going to put Nebraska on the map. We're going to grow Nebraska barbecue to the point where we get mentioned with Texas and Kansas and North Carolina and some of the greats. Your response. My response to that is that's a really lofty goal. I (laughs) I hope it happens. And I think in some regards, Blaine has already done that. I mean, this community, we have an American Royal Grand Champion, and not all communities have that. You know, that to be on the level of Texas or Kansas City, I think it's going to take a lot of work. I think it takes it's going to take more than one or two good restaurants to really do that. But uh, we also have to remember that, you know, 15 years ago, Austin was not a, the barbecue capital that it was. You had to go out into the small towns in Texas to, Mm -hmm. to get good, good barbecue. So I'm not saying it's not possible at all. It's definitely possible. I I do think though, you'd have to have um, several great restaurants and, and maybe you would have to have restaurants that kind of all, come together around a particular, you know, dish or a technique or or something like that that really puts Omaha on the map as something something new and different as to be a capital. 
Mm-hmm. Of barbecue, and I think that that's a really good point because you know you kind of look at the famous regions of barbecue and you see they have a signature dish or a signature style or you know Texas is famous for meat or for meat for brisket you know Kansas City's more ribs burn ends stuff like that a little bit sweeter sauce so maybe it is that Omaha just and I don't even know how that you know develops that like restaurants would come together and work together to like have a signature thing but I think you're hitting on something there that if you're gonna have like if you think about all the barbecue meccas they all have something that they're well known for I don't know what that looks like when it comes to Omaha but um I wanted to ask you about, and I think you're uniquely, especially after this uh, going and tailing Blaine, you are uniquely positioned to answer this question. Just what are the challenges of owning and operating a barbecue restaurant versus just, you know, any other restaurant where you can, you know, cook food to order versus barbecue where you have to really plan and do things ahead of time? I think a lot of it, especially in a city like Omaha, is really getting people to understand that barbecue takes a lot of time. It's not something you can just throw a brisket on the, the uh, smoker and have it done ready for people to order. That takes, you know, 12 to 15 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting people to understand that, that barbecue is, is a slow-cooked food um, and getting to them to understand that barbecue is is worth that time and worth maybe even a little extra money. I, I know because of the pandemic, there's been a lot of fluctuations in prices of meat and especially beef has has kind of gone up and down in price and things like that. So getting people to understand that it's really worth that. One of my first, uh, first experiences with uh, barbecue in Kansas City when I was doing that first project I was at Q thirty nine, which is a really well known restaurant there. Delicious. They had a, a really long line, and we had reservations, and we were still waiting in line. And I remember seeing these two older gentlemen come in, and kind of, kind of asking, you know, how long would it would the wait be for the table? And they said twenty minutes. And the the one of the men said, "Well, I'm not waiting twenty minutes for barbecue, <laughs> as if barbecue wasn't worth, you know." putting that you know, right. 20 minutes yeah, that, of effort in. Yeah. So, you know, just getting people to kind of understand that barbecue is not a cheap food. It's it's something that's, you know, worth really spending the time and, and effort into into enjoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it never fails. I feel like anytime I tweet about a barbecue restaurant, I'll say like, oh, I just had a fantastic, you know, meal at Porky Butts or whatever. I'll get a reply and somebody will be like, well, I tried to order brisket on Friday night at 8 o'clock and they were sold out. And I'm like, of course they're sold out. It's 8 o'clock. Like, you can't just, you know, like you said, throw another brisket on the grill. You can't just say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll have some more ribs in 15 minutes. Like, this stuff takes hours and hours, sometimes all day, to smoke and I think, you know, you brought up a really interesting point there. You said, you know, sometimes it takes 12 to 15 hours. Like, every piece of meat is different. Like, one might be, one brisket might be fattier than another one. One might be a little bit leaner. Like, they don't all take the same amount of time. It all takes, you know, so much love and care to really address each individual meat. And people just, they just need to, I know it's not easy, especially to do it, 
you know, overnight. And I think we're getting better about it, but people just need to develop that understanding that this is not another burger joint. This is not even a steak joint or anything. This is something special. Yeah. And, and, you know, people also need to understand that that's actually a good sign. Yes. If somebody's sold out of the yes. meat, it means it's incredibly popular. Right. It has very little to do with poor planning or management or anything like that. It's really that it's so popular that people are buying it. And the other thing that people need to realize, I think, with barbecue is that, you know, the long lines and waiting in line is part of the experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just shared that my life was changed by meeting a a guy in, in line in front of me at a barbecue joint, but it's it's like tailgating. It's really fun. You get to talk to the people. You find out more about, you know, what they love about barbecue, what their favorite places are. You talk to people. It's, uh, it's all part of the experience, and it's really wonderful. I love that perspective. That's great. So as we get out of here, or as we wind down a little bit here, I want to kind of get your take on how, as you've kind of gone along this barbecue journey and learned more and more about the craft, more about the pitmasters themselves. How have you seen barbecue evolve during that time and where do you see it going in the future? Barbecue has really evolved over the past few years. I'm seeing a lot more um, collaboration and maybe kind of the those regional boundaries we were talking about kind of breaking down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, there are these huge festivals and events all over the country. And I think pitmasters kind of share with each other what they do and they learn from one another. And so now you're seeing whole hog barbecue in Texas. You're seeing brisket in North Carolina. You're seeing all these kind of, uh, you know, differences in barbecue so- sort of you know, break down a little bit. And you're also seeing a lot more incorporation of different types of food and different cuisines enter into barbecue. So, you you know, Tex-Mex is really huge. Mm-hmm. You're seeing some um, some incorporation of Asian foods in, in uh, places like Blood Brothers in Houston. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of different changes in barbecue. It's evolving. It, it's, it's not just like smoked meat on a pit anymore it's really becoming you know quite a respectable uh cuisine in its in itself there's been there have been two pit masters that have won the james beard foundation awards several get nominated every year now which is different um never used to happen so i think you're seeing a lot of those kind of changes in barbecue it's really becoming elevated to to the next level is there anything in particular that you think is kind of spurring that evolution or is it just a natural thing? You know, I think change in cuisine is just natural, but yeah. definitely, you know, somebody like Aaron Franklin that comes in and really teaches people how to how to really do barbecue in a way that elevates it to the next level, I think has inspired a younger generation of pitmasters to kind of learn and, uh, and then put their own twist on, on things, but really, you know, making barbecue into a a craft uh, cuisine and then adding in influences from other places. It's really, really made it exciting. I think so. I personally cannot wait to see how just barbecue continues to evolve because it's fantastic as is yes but it's always fun to see you know people coming up with new things having new creations like 
even today, Porky Butts put up a, a, pay, a post on Facebook, excuse me, where they were like, what what local restaurant in Omaha would you like to see us collaborate with? And just like that, having that open wow. mind is just so cool and That's so exciting. exciting. And I gave them like seven different oh, suggestions. So <laughs> hopefully we can get some collaboration there. But yeah, uh, that's for another podcast. Uh, Ryan, I just thank you so much for coming on today and, and for giving us the time for breaking down barbecue and hopefully helping people understand, you know, a little bit more as Omaha becomes more tolerant, you know, and patient. So well, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, Omaha, I, I thank you for listening. Going to keep bringing you awesome guests. Thanks for hanging with me. Thanks for eating with us today.